At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What up? It's the Crossover Pod Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. It's been a rough week for the association. The investigation into Suns owner Robert Sarver uh, was ugly, confirming a lot of what Baxter Holmes at ESPN had reported last November and, in fact, adding a few new appalling chapters to it. Uh, Adam Silver, of course, issued Sarver a one-year suspension, $10 million fine. Steep punishment uh, by NBA standards for an owner, but in much of the public's view, and certainly my guests today's view, not nearly severe enough. Uh, wanted to get some added perspective from the player's side, and very pleased to have today Etan Thomas, who played nearly a decade in the NBA. Uh, Etan now writes for basketballnews.com, as well as The Guardian and some other places. He co-hosts a radio show and podcast with Dave Zirin of The Nation. That's called The Collision. You can go check that out. Etan's always really thoughtful on these issues. Uh, great insights from him on this whole awful saga. Before we get to that, a quick reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. Hit me with all your feedback on Twitter at Howard Beck and wanted to once again remind folks we have a collaboration between Sports Illustrated and Triumph Books, a book about the entire history of the Lakers, uh, 75 years of the Lakers. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth. 
It's available for pre-order now with a 30% discount. The book's a compilation of 15 stories from the pages of SI from the 60s all the way through to the present. Profiles of all the Laker legends, Magic, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, everybody, and written by some of the best sports writers ever to grace the pages of SI, Frank DeFord, Gary Smith, Jack McCallum, Phil Taylor, many others, and a forward by me, uh, which was quite an honor to, to get to do. You can pre-order the book now with a 30% discount. Go to triumphbooks.com, search for Greatest Show on Earth. There's also a direct link in the summary of this podcast, you can also just type in bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash Lakers 75. That will take you straight to the page. When you get to checkout, use the discount code Lakers 30. If you're a Lakers fan or just a fan of great sports writing, I think you'll love it. Go check it out. Okay, my conversation with Etan Thomas is coming up next. So stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Now pleased to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Ton Thomas, Ton, how did it take me this long to have you on the podcast? I guess that's the first question. I don't know. We've been talking over the years for a while, yeah. <laughs> but it's good to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I've inter- interviewed you for stories. I've been on your podcast, a radio show, everything else. Somehow, I had not had you on the crossover yet. Glad to rectify that uh, this morning. Um, though we have had to navigate some technical difficulties, we don't have uh, video this morning. That's okay. We can hear each other. Um right. Before we jump into all things Robert Sarver and uh, what a thicket that is, um, you and I had talked to the last couple of days. I know you've been a busy sports dad this week with volleyball matches for your daughter. How'd the volleyball match go last night? Uh, did you did you successfully bring the right snacks? Uh, <laughs> how, how did that all go? Well, actually, my wife took over of the snacks, so oh, okay. um, that, that's basically what happened. So, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes wives gives you a job to do, and they be like, "Just forget it; I'll do it myself." And then they, <laughs> so the snack situation went great. Um, but um, no, it's just it's fun, you know. My daughter's um, playing volleyball, my son's playing basketball, so you know they're in preseason now. But my daughter's yeah. in the of everything, so it's just you know it's fun seeing them. How does it work for a sports dad? when you spent so much of your own life and career as a professional athlete at, at a very high level, does it, do you think it changes or influences it in any way, the way you actually, whether it's the way you cheered for your kids or whether just how, you know, how things go, we always hear all these nightmares about sports parents and everything. Are you looking around at some of the other ones? Like folks get a grip. This is not even, you know, at the level of, of what I used to do. Like how does, how does it influence you as a sports dad? Well, I coached my son um, for for a lot of years when he was younger. So I had got a chance to experience the uh, parents. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm not going to be one of those parents. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that kind of helps with, uh, you know, me and my wife's um, attitude and everything like that while we're in the stands. Because, I mean, you could write a whole book off of uh, <laughs> sport, youth, youth sports parents. And, you know, my son, you know, he played soccer and basketball. You know, my, my girls played tennis and, you know, volleyball. So it's across sports. There, what I'm saying is there is no difference. 
They're a fanatic for yeah. all the parents. And it's 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 interesting. You know, yeah. parents they take it to a whole other level, but no, yeah. it's it's fun just seeing them, to be honest with you. That's that's uh that's great. And it sounds like you were a very involved sports dad too, so that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um yeah. so with regard to Sarver, you and I have already talked this week a couple times because we, we chatted on your show with uh, you and Dave Zirin, and uh, I, I, you know, we obviously have a pretty good feel for where each other uh, is on this, but let me try to kind of recontextualize this for the purposes of this discussion, which is this. You were a, a player in the NBA for about a decade. You mm-hmm. were an officer with the Players Association as well, so your perspective on this is a little different because I think you can put yourself in the in the shoes of... NBA players, the Suns players, everything else. So I'm going to get to that in a second about let's think about how what, what you would do or what it would be like. Let me just ask it broadly first, though. Just your feeling as a former player, when you see the way this unfolded this week from the report that was issued to Adam Silver's decision, how, was, how did you just generally feel about the way the NBA handled it? Um... I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit. You know, I, I would have liked to see things done a lot differently. Um, I had a lot of issues with it. Like, for one, I didn't understand why it took so long. <laughs> like, what, you know, the, this report came out back in, you know, November. And, you know, was, I understand due diligence, but good Lord. You know what I mean? I mean, like, it, yeah. this should have been sped up. I mean, and, and I and going through the process, especially with the union, um, you know, seeing it this this long drag out, I'm like, okay, they're just racking up billable hours, and you know what I mean. I mean, you're, it's a really long time for it to to, to be drawn out. Um, I think one of the things that that kind of not really surprised me. So I listened to you know Frank A. Sola and Brian Scalabrini in the mornings when I dropped my kids off to school because it's you know Sirius XM. You know, just put something on. I'm, I'm listening to them, and it was interesting listening to, you know, Scalabrini, because it happened again this morning, you know, kind of, I want to say maybe discount, maybe deflect and kind of defend, excuse Robert Sarver and, you know, kind of do the, I don't think he's racist, you know, just because he said the N-word five times and, you know, the what about isms, like what if LeBron said something, are we going to kick him out of the league too? And, you know, the locker room talk. Um, like that like we heard a lot with, uh, you know, the selection with Trump, like, oh, it's just locker room talk. And I heard a lot of people agreeing with that. And I was like, okay, well, I disagree with every caller that called into here. Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how, how are we excusing it as locker room talk? Like, it's just the way things are. And, you know, just discounting it. Ah, it could have been worse. You could have said, I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't make it right. So, that was a little bit surprising um, these last three days because it's all it's kind of been the same narrative. And I and to your point, which you made yesterday on my show, um, there wasn't the same public outcry as there was with Donald Sterling. It was literally apples and oranges. But if you compare the two as to the, you know, what actually happened, it's, you know, in, in my opinion, what Sarver did was a lot worse. I mean, you know, you, you have you have Sterling with, you know, sounding like a, a, a jealous boyfriend who, who has a, a little bit of a complex with black men. And you know what I mean? But, but if that's all we're looking at, what happened with Sterling and the reason why he had to sell his team in the uproar, 
and you look at everything that happened with Sarver, it's like, wait a minute, you're going over two decades and, you know, uh, not a safe work environment and all these different people were interviewed and, you know, and all these different things, He's pulling somebody's pants down in the middle of all these different weird things. And I'm like, I don't even know if you can compare the two. But yeah. but then at the same time, the 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 public outcry and outrage are two different levels to your your point that you made with me yesterday. So I think that really influenced. I mean, you convinced me yesterday that influenced <laughs> yeah. the NBA's reaction um, because of the lack of public outcry. If we saw the same thing that we saw with Donald Sterling, I think you might have seen a different Adam Silver at the press conference. Um, you know, different disposition. Different punishment, different everything. So I think all of that play, played into it. Yeah, I, I and I truly believe that, Atan. Like I, I, I feel like uh, to the extent that uh, Adam's uh, job is at least uh, quasi political as commissioner, you know, you've got all these different constituencies, but you uh, you have to deal with the public as one of them. And yeah, if there were more pressure on him. Leading up to this, if there had been more of a public outcry, if there were if sponsors were fleeing and all that stuff, I think it's it's perhaps a a different outcome. To your view of this, is it just you know if if the punishment's insufficient, a one year suspension and ten million dollar fine, which was the max that he could levy uh, within the league bylaws? What was the outcome you would have liked to see? Did did you were you looking at this the whole time, starting with Baxter Holmes' story last November, thinking? This is it. He's just got to go. Is the, is it as simple as that to you that that Sarver just should be gone? Well, yeah. I mean, because if you tolerate it, then you're going to have duplications of it. I mean, then you know what? What are the? And we already had different things of you know um, the, everything that came out with Mark Cuban before, um, and of course he you know that wasn't directly with him, but it's still his organization and you know the the work environment. So then you have to look at okay NBA, you know if 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 you're going to be this progressive league and if you're going to be this league that, that, you know, preaches that you're, you know, accepting of all people, promoting of women, promoting of, you know, all races and everything like that. Um, you got to kind of practice what you preach, right? So, so if you have an environment of one of the teams that is the opposite of that, then you have to deal with it. You know what I mean? And I don't think that, they dealt with it in the way they should have, because when he comes back in a year, when Sarver comes back in a year, then what's going to happen? You know, I mean, you know, it, it, it's almost like, you know, you know, I have, using a kid's analogy, you have, you have kids and you're like, okay, if you do something wrong again, and then, then, then I'm going to take your phone away, but you don't ever take the phone away. You know what I mean? <laughs> or if you do something wrong again, now you're on notice. And it's like, okay, after a while, it's like you're bluffing. So it's like, you can't just keep excusing these instances um or giving what i would equate to a slap on the wrist um people you know i saw some people saying wow well he did get fined 10 million dollars i'm like well he's a billionaire so you know what i mean it's not the quite the same and then he gets a kind of a vacation here you know i mean yeah is it gonna hurt him not to be able to sit in the in the, in the seats during the, the game and get the camera time and bring his friends okay maybe but that's it. Then you come back after a year and everything. So what? what's going to happen to all the employees who are still there who had to break their NDAs um, with the with the lawyers that the NBA, you know what I mean, um, you know, hired to be able to interview them? What? They're just supposed to go back to work like nothing happened. The ones that are still current employees. 
and they're not going to feel any type of, you know, backlash because they're the ones that were the whistleblowers. Like, come on, you know how it works. So yeah. I don't I don't know if this rectified anything. I guess Adam Silver would say, as he said at the press conference the other day, that, you know, a lot of these incidents were many, many years ago. They've cleaned up the organization. They've, you know, made changes. And Robert Sarver himself has, has you know, I don't know, evolved is probably too strong a word, but he has uh, adjusted his behavior, I, I suppose. Um, sure. I think that would be the league's stance is that um, it's not the same environment as a lot of the re- uh, incidents in the report suggested it was in the past. So that that's a lot of benefit of the doubt that you and I and others would have to extend, though, and only the employees themselves really know whether that feels safe there. And you make a great point, Aton, that a lot of people either had to break their NDAs or even if they didn't have NDAs, even if they were just employees who wanted to confirm, corroborate some of these stories to the investigators, even if you're being assured of anonymity, of, of your identity being uh, kept uh, private, it always feels risky to be in that position, to be a whistleblower, essentially, on the most powerful person in your organization, the, the guy who owns the team. Right. And so a lot of people have, one, been put through a lot uh, emotionally and, and otherwise having their job security threatened um, by implication, if not directly, and then taking the risk of speaking to investigators, never knowing for sure, well, what if somebody finds out? And and so I do, I, I not enough has probably been said by all of us about the employees and former employees and the effect on them. Because, you know, I've talked to some, I know that their people are, are absolutely furious mm-hmm. and really disappointed and, and kind of crushed that, that Sarver did not get a more severe punishment from the league. It feels like they put themselves out there, not for nothing, but not for enough. And this is not the outcomes that certainly these hundreds of employees uh, who spoke to the investigators wanted to see. I can't speak for obviously hundreds of employees. The people who were most affected, let's just say, by these incidents of sexism, uh, potentially racism, depending on how people want to view that, and and general, uh, you know, just bullying. Um, right. abusive behavior. And so I, 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 you know, my heart does go out to those folks because I, I cannot, cannot imagine having to sit back and watch this this week and think, well, he's, he, nothing's happened. He's still going to own this team. He's still potentially going to treat people this way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see what else, you know, would, would, would happen when he comes back. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's the part that was disappointing, but you, you made, you made a good point as well to me yesterday that, you know, the, it, it doesn't have to be all on the players. So, of course, you know, that's the first instance where everybody say, well, the players were a little bit too quiet about it. Um, and I think that's a great point, but I don't like it to be all on the players. It's not the player's job to be able to, you know what I mean? That That's kind of the commissioner's job and the, the rest of the governors to make sure the way the setup is for them to be able to keep each other in line. But then you have to ask, well, is it kind of like a boys club? Like, you know, you're, are they supposed to police each other when they're all buddies and they all kind of want to, you know, is that the right setup? Um, should, should they have a, you know, should it be just in their hands to be able to um, vote? Like, is that the right setup? Like, do they, should they all have to agree, um, you know, it, for one of them to be outed uh, you know, or to be reprimanded? Should they all have to agree? Is, should that be part of the equation? Um, so these are questions that I think deserve examining. I mean, because we've seen 
in different setups and I, you know, of course, completely different, but we've seen with police departments where they investigate themselves and they come back and they say, well, uh, we did nothing wrong. So we're going to uh, continue as, you know, as, as planned. And that's that, that's not a good system. You need to have yeah. somebody else checking up on them. You know what I mean? Who's going to police yeah. them? So. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's, and that's the thing too. So Adam Silver has the th- full authority. He doesn't need the board of governors, the other owners to tell him it's okay to suspend. He can do that on his own and he could have gone further than a year and he chose not to. Um, the $10 million fine, again, he does not need permission from the board of governors for any of that. But to your point, yes, the board of governors ultimately controls whether Adam Silver can throw down the ultimate punishment, which is to expel you from the league to force a sale or to do a lifetime suspension or, you know, anything that is going to potentially trigger legal action by, by the expelled owner, because obviously they're, they're not going to sit still for it. Now the rest of the owners are involved because it's their money when you're, when the whole league is being sued. Right. So there are limits there, but you're someone who I, I know you have a relationship with Adam Silver. You've interviewed him for your book. Um, I think you guys have shared a stage at a, at, at a event or a conference or something too. Like, mm-hmm. You know him fairly well, and like a, a lot of us who have watched Adam over the years, like he earned a lot of praise for his handling of Donald Sterling. He earned a lot of praise during uh, you know the, the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement of a couple of years ago and the way that the league handled that. Does your opinion of Adam Silver change based on on what happened uh, and what didn't happen with the saga or this this the Sarver saga? Well, mine doesn't. I, I, I still have, you know, a lot of respect for him. I still view him, you know, the way I viewed it, but I just don't like the setup. I, I don't think it's a good setup. Um, even in watching him during the, the press conference and it's, you know, deferring to them and, you know, it's that he works for them. And yes, he has, you know, the power to do certain things, but he kept kind of referencing in different ways that, you know, kind of there's only so much I can do. So then it's, I don't know, it, it's, I, I just don't like the setup where the board of governors have to govern themselves. I, I don't, I, I, I kind of feel like there should be an outside somebody that has to govern them. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a setup where you have to have accountability. And I don't know if having them hold each other accountable is the right setup. Yeah. Um, but as far as Adam Silver, you know, well, look, he, he is a lot different than David Stern. Um, and that you saw that as soon as he, you know, came into the position as commissioner. And, I, you know, it, the, the, the tone is still different, the, you know, but I, I think a lot of people left were left wondering um and kind of scratching their heads from the press conference um, about the different Adam Silver that we saw uh, Wednesday, was it Wednesday? Wednesday, than what we saw with Donald Sterling. And they almost looked like two different people. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, when it, after Donald Sterling, and I'm sure people revisited the the link, uh, you know, after he, you know, said it, it was, he was so forceful. And so, you know, we're going to ban him for life. And this is not going to be something that we tolerate in our league. And he talked about the people in the past and it would be disrespectful to them to be able to allow, like all of this, all of this stuff. And 
you put it into context when you said everything else that was going on around, like the pressure from the players, the pressure from, you know, the, the pretty much all of society, sponsors, uproar, the middle of the playoffs, everything like that. So circumstances are, are definitely important to look at. But there was a definite difference, Adam Silver. And so I think he's going to have to kind of, I don't want to say earn back his good name. That might be a little bit too strong, but I think he lost a lot of people um, with the way that this was handled. Yeah. And who are not worried about the circumstances and not worried about all of that stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, you you laid it out perfectly, but a lot of people are not worried about all that. You know, they put Adam Silver different as David Stern, different as Roger Goodell, different. So he's supposed to act differently. And so I, I do think that, you know, it, it makes people kind of wonder, well, was everything that we saw in the bubble kind of, you know, performance? Like, was it, you know, how how much did it, you know, people are going to start questioning that. Um, so, yeah, I do think he's going to have to, I don't know a better way to say it, but yes, earn back his good name with a lot of people yeah. um, throughout society. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm just curious, because I, I assume as when things like this happen, Itan, you're you know, a former player, so you do have a unique lens to view this through that is, is maybe a little different than me or any of us who have not played in the league. Um, you know, look, there's a reality. Not, not everybody who owns an NBA team uh, is uh, probably uh, on their best behavior all the time, or maybe the best people, or we may not ag- agree with them on a lot of different things, but there's a reality. They, they own the teams, they sign the checks, and there's a lot of, of just, you know, peace you have to make with yourself in this world. By the way, in my walk of life too, right? I haven't agreed with everything every company I've ever worked for has done or stood for. Uh, we all have to kind of just, you know, make our way in the world, understanding that, um, you know, these, these, these things exist. All that said, uh, it is a little bit different. I, I was just curious, just as a as a former player, if you were to put yourself in the shoes of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, the rest of the Suns players, uh, the rest of those guys right now, what would you be feeling if you were a, a player on that roster where less than two weeks now, I think, to uh, media day and training camps opening, they're going to be asked about this uh, starting on... Day one, Sarver won't be around, but he still owns the team. They know he's going to be back it, probably in his courtside seat in a year. What do you think you'd be feeling if you were a Suns player or maybe even any NBA player right now? I mean, I think I would be feeling exactly what um, the vice chairman, uh, what is he, the minority owner, um, uh, John, what's his name, Jeff? I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, um, I don't have it in front of me either. I, okay, I can't tell you, sorry. I'm about, right? I, yeah. I would I would feel the same way that he felt. I would I, you know I mean he he wrote a um, open letter, um, you know to I guess his employees and players, and he had a, the reaction from you know everything from the punishment the you know and everything and that's how I would feel. I mean that's I I, I think he he was kind of calling for Sarver to resign, and I. I I would join him with that. Mm. That that uh, for me, if you're asking for me personally, now yeah. you know it's it's I I can't say that that's what Chris Paul should do. I'm not saying that, or that's what Devin Booker should do. But the question was, if if I was in that situation, um, you know, what would be my response? And that that would be my response to join him in that call for his resignation. Um, it, it's it's hard to justify somebody doing in the atmosphere and just continuing on, um, you know, after a year and coming back, like nothing happened. Like if you're going to start all over and set the tone and say, okay, this is what we stand for. You have to make some type of corrections. Now there might be some more corrections being made. You know what I mean? It might put somebody in in a place kind of like what, what, Mark Cuban did, you know, who is over this and they say, okay, we're going to have a new culture. Something needs to be done, but it can't be just him coming back and like, okay, I'm back now. I didn't serve my time. And you know, it, it, it can't be like that. Yeah. So 
you know, and, and it's it's tough because, again, I don't – it isn't the player's job to have to be able to correct the entire atmosphere of the organization. That should not be their job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Agreed, but, yeah. But, but, uh, but they're also the most powerful constituency – uh, outside of the the team owners themselves, right? So, percent agree, and I understand their power, but still, it shouldn't be on them to be able to move the needle, right? You know what I mean? So, it should be a collective. Yeah. So, you should have other people. You should have other governors, you know, saying which is not going to happen because they all stand on one accord. Which is why you know when you have CBA negotiations, why you know they're so effective because they they don't speak out against each other. Yeah, but you should have other governors saying that is not something that is acceptable in our league. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You should have other. So it should not just what not just the players, but a whole collective of of people associated with the NBA. Yeah. You know, to be able to make that stand. Yeah, it's interesting. It's you know, there's moments like this where you, where you do the hypothetical. I wonder what would happen if we gave certain folks truth serum and could hear their real feelings because. And not to put the added pressure or responsibility on any of these folks either, but there are members of the Board of Governors who are black. There are members of the Board of Governors who are women. And you certainly kind of wonder what some of them were feeling as they read through the report about their peer, Robert Sarver, who they're in these Board of Governors meetings with and who they've discussed policy with and who they are now on some level, even though it wasn't formally being asked to to judge and and decide his punishment because again it was adam silver alone in this case but when you're at least thinking about as a fellow governor on that board is there something else we should be doing i do wonder um how all of them felt you know and obviously the white men too but but especially if you're a woman reading seeing some of the things that robert sarver did and said to his female employees i, I just i i I, I do wonder. I do wonder. I, I I agree with you, but after the last election and seeing the amount of, you know, percentage of white women who voted for Trump, especially, uh, after, especially uh, after yeah. all everything that came out, you know, yeah. right before the elections, as far as the, you know, sexual, not, not even just harassment or not just, you know, misconduct, but sexual, like, um, you know, abuse, like it, it, when you saw that number of people, of, of <laughs> yeah. white women in particular, still vote for him, nothing surprises me. Do you uh, know what fair, I mean? fair, fair point. That that okay. would that would that wouldn't hurt. But yes, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me let me bring this back to the players' association side of this. Tamika Tremalio, the new executive director, um, put out a, a pretty strong statement on Twitter the other night. The same time that uh, around the same time that that Chris Paul and LeBron James put out statements on on Twitter. So there's there's a little bit more outcry now publicly from very important, influential people on the player side. You know, LeBron and Chris Paul uh, for for sure, and then the Players Association through their executive director. You were on uh, the board of the union for many years. Um, what should be the union's role? at a time like this, should they be, again, it's not fair that the players have this pressure on them, but they have more ability to move the needle than any media pundit, any fans, um, almost anybody aside from maybe the corporate sponsors. Is there anything you think that they should be doing or you would like to see happen in the weeks and months to come? You know, because this thing doesn't have to be over. I wrote this the other day. This is not necessarily the end. It could be just the beginning because we're just now starting to see players 
speak out against Sarver in a forceful way. What should be the union's role and the players' role from here? You know, it's kind of like uh, making up for lost time of what, you know, should have been the role leading up to this when, when the, the article first came out last November um, and putting the pressure. So basically everything that everyone did with Sterling should have been duplicated because that's what worked. Uh, of course, hindsight, you know what I mean? Everything like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I tell, I'm telling you, you, you convinced me with how you explained it because you're right that when you have that pressure, then things change. There wasn't any pressure. There wasn't any, it was almost like, you know, whatever happened to that uh, situation with Sarver? You know what I mean? Like nobody even heard about it. I mean, even when you was describing the atmosphere of the press conference and comparing it to the atmosphere with the Sterling press conference, it's night and day. There was no, you know, mass of media all from all around the country there and packed. And, you know, it, it, that's not the, the, that wasn't the situation. So drumming up that level of, you know, outrage is important. Now, yes, I think there was a, a great point that you made that there was no smoking gun. There was no audio, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that it would have to take that in order for it to be, to affect people as much, but that's the way that it is. I mean, you look at it with, you know, police brutality cases, when there's video of it, it's different than if somebody hears about this, what happened and a policeman did this. It's completely different when there's video. Um, and that's, that's just the reality. But as far as drumming up the outrage, uh, I think now, you know, everybody should look in the mirror and, and make up for lost time. You know, everybody that doesn't agree with what happened, um, as far as the outcome of the punishment, I always put punishment in quotations because I don't really, you know, view that as a real punishment. Um, they should really join the, um, you know, I got to look up his name real quick so I can pronounce his name right. <laughs> sure. So, uh, you know, <laughs> join him in calling for Robert Sarver's resignation. So imagine if you have, you know, all these players now taking a step further. So, not you know, on one accord, um, you know, and not just LeBron and Chris Paul, but all players all across the league saying, no, we're calling for his resignation. We, we respect it all. Even, even when LeBron tweeted, he was like, I have, you can see the, the respect that they have for Adam Silver. Yes. You know what I mean? It was like, however, he got it wrong in this one. You know, yep. that's what LeBron said. You know, all the respect I have for him in the world, but he got it wrong. So yep. now take it a step further. You know, all the, all the players, you know, and, and the different people, you know, joined them in calling for his resignation, start drumming up a lot of the outrage um, and the way that it was drummed up with uh, Donald Sterling. Yeah. And I, and I think that that could still have an impact. I, I really do. I don't know if that's what will happen, um, but it's, you know, this isn't, this isn't the legal system. There's no double jeopardy rules here. If, uh, right. if there's enough pressure on the league, Adam Silver, the board of governors can still do something different. Also, by the way, Robert Sarver himself could not suggesting that this would happen based on what we know of the man, but he could just decide to step down. He could just decide to divest his majority stake and either drop down to minority stake, so somebody else is the face of the franchise and he's just got a smaller share, or he could divest entirely. And it's not really that big of a punishment considering that he will make a just ludicrously massive profit in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, it's <laughs> he could just choose to do the right thing <laughs> and step away uh, without the league having to act 
and and make this so formal. I don't expect it, but it's. I, I just I want to throw that out there that it is just in the realm of of possibility uh, out there. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let me ask you this, Eitan, because you you alluded to this earlier when you were talking about some of the talk shows you've you've listened to and the way that people have sometimes you know rationalized some of this behavior. Um, I want to ask you about Sarver's use of the N word because mm-hmm. the investigation concluded, and Adam Silver chose not to address this. Like he was asked about it, but he didn't really say whether he agreed or disagreed. He simply said, "I accept the conclusions." of the investigation of the law firm with regard to the way that uh, Sarver used the N-word at least five times. And even after having been told as early as 2004, you as a white man should not be repeating that word, even if you're just repeating someone else's use of it. Um, 
and they so there, there, this was the the investigation's uh, conclusion that uh, that it quote makes no finding that Sarver used the N word with the intent to demean or denigrate. I'm curious if you have thoughts on just simply that. The man said the word multiple times, even after being told it was inappropriate and was making people uncomfortable and that he shouldn't be using it, even as as someone just repeating somebody else's story. But they still say no intent to demean or denigrate. Uh, what did, what did you, what was your thought on, on just that framing? I, I didn't like it. To be honest with you, I, that's that's the friend, that's the position that I heard Brian Scalabrini take um, for the last three days. As far as like he's just repeating it, you know. So I was like, well, you know. It, it, so so I, I would say, you know, my grandfather, if he was still here, um, he would tell you there is no such thing as a non-racist way for a white person to say the N word mm-hmm. because of the history of it and what he had to go through and how it was used on him throughout his entire life there's no <laughs> such thing so it, it, it's you can't you know say that and then he started talking about well they say it in rap lyrics they say it in the movies they say that has nothing to do with anything you know <laughs> like nothing and it's a, a, it's an insulting um correlation to even for a white person to even make knowing the history of the word and you just have to look at it in the terms of you know comparing it to another group so say you have somebody from the lgbt community and there's different phrases that they use um you know and and i've even said i was like well i, that, I thought that was derogatory but they, that's the way that they they either want to reclaim it. They you know they say queer. They say you know when I was growing up, somebody said queer. Those are like that's like a derogatory term. Yeah, you know what I mean. But now it, it's different. So would I say okay? Well, me as a heterosexual man, I want to be able to say that too. And the person from the LGBT community says no. It's different when you say it. You cannot say that as a hetero man. The way that it was, you you know, that, and, and I'm forcing it to say, no, I just want to say it. I want to say it over and over again. So so that's what happened with Sarver. Um, or Watson said, wait a minute, you can't say that. That's not appropriate for you to say. And he just kept saying, well, I want to say it again. I want to say it anyway. I don't care. I want it. That, that is ad- adding insult to injury. Yeah. So it's not something that you can, you know, people trying to dismiss it as, oh, he was just repeating something. No, let's look at the full context of it. He can't repeat it. If somebody is telling you it means something different when you say it, I'm asking you not to say it. Yeah. And you, in turn, are saying, I want to say it anyway because I want to be able to say what I want to say. Then you are weaponizing the word. And even though I take the position that I don't think anyone should say the N-word, I, I listen to clean versions of, of rap music just because I'm not as much as to, to hear the not cussing, just not to hear the N-word. So I, I have that position that nobody should say it. However, it does mean something completely different coming from a white person. Yes. And we can't pretend as if they're the same thing. Yeah. So I just find that whole rationale just completely insulting, completely insulting to my grandfather, completely insulting to every black person um from our previous generations 
that had to have that word word hurled at them and could do nothing about it. You know what I mean? Of using it to demean them and using to oppress them. I mean, it's disrespectful to them. So, you know, and, and, and I don't know if a lot of white people who make that argument understand or fully understand that. And you, you, you have to make a comparison to another group to try to help them understand. Do you know what I mean? So that, that would be my, my position with that. And I'm hearing it over and over again. Like, oh, okay, well, it's not really racist. It's kind of, you know, he was just repeating, like, well, you are simplifying something that should not be simplified. Yeah. I think people are trying to find a different framework or, or, or variety of def- definitions or levels, right? Like, well, if you use the N-word to address somebody in an insulting or, or aggressive way, then, well, clearly that's a racist use of it. But if you're just repeating it, and I get that on some level, if you're ignorant of how potent, powerful, and and just off, it's, it's not the word you should use if you're in that station, right? But when somebody has now told you, listen, right. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how old you are, I don't want to hear the excuse of like, ah, he's 60 something, he's, it doesn't, should not take more than once for somebody to explain to you that this is not something, not a word you should use, even if you're just saying that somebody else said it. Right. Once that's been explained to you, that that's it. The onus is on you to to listen. Yes, and, and so, um, so it's interesting, Eitan. Like I, I read this report, and and one of the incidents where he's using the word was, and this was the one that's about Draymond Green. And of course, the report doesn't know that it's Draymond Green, but we know that it is from previous reporting by Baxter Holmes at ESPN. And Sarver bursts into his office in October 2016 after this game against the Warriors, and he says, "Quote." And I'm reading from the report. Why does, and it says the Warriors player, but basically why does Draymond Green get to say N-word, 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 after the coach, who was uh, Earl Watson, said, you can't fucking say that, Sarver replied, I can't say N-word, N-word, N-word. And there's a witness who saw this, and so they've corroborated it. Um, And I will just say this. I understand that lawyers writing a lawyerly report investigation, and Adam Silver as a lawyer reading that, if, if you don't see anything that specifically speaks to Robert Sarver being racist, and you're saying that legally you cannot conclude what's, you know, as people say, what's in his heart, that kind of thing. Uh, okay, I kind of get that as a legal definition. But I will just say, as a person who has lived in the world, <laughs> um, it, anytime I've heard a white person angry that they can't use the N-word, right. And repeating it and saying, well, if if black people can use it, why can't I use it? If you're outraged as a white person that you're not allowed to use it, that, it's, that, it, that it does have a different definition and conveys a different sentiment by using it, even repeating it. If you're mad that you can't use it, then I absolutely question what you're really about. And that's the thing that I think leapt off the pages when I'm reading them about Sarver. It's not just that he tripped up he used a word he shouldn't have used and it was in the context of repeating what somebody else like no you're 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 mad that you can't use it yes why is that right like that's the part that really jumped out to me and again i I can't sit here and say for sure oh this makes the man a racist but whatever there is along the spectrum between anti-racist non-racist racist you're a lot closer to the racism than 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 not 
if you are offended that you can't use the N-word as a white person. I, I just, I don't even know how you can get to that point and that he can say that out loud multiple times. And that's why I use the example with the LGBT community. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to use a word that I've heard you use on each other and you tell me, wait a minute, it's different coming from you. That is offensive. Please don't do it. Yes. Now, if from that point, I continue to push to want to do it and say it again and everything like that. The, the, from the first point, you could claim ignorance. After you're told, you can't claim that anymore. Yes. And that's the problem with Woodsaw. If, if he said it the one time and then, you know, Earl Watson or whoever told him, wait, you can't say that. And he said, okay, my bad. And then it was, and it stopped there. Then that's one thing. But he continued. This is in the reports. He continued after it, saying it over again. I want to do it again. And he's telling you, wait, you can't do that. He's like, no, I want to do it. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, at, and at that point, um, it's fair for us to question. And, you know, it's different court of public opinion. You and I talking about it and what we perceive of somebody who takes that position and keeps saying that word is different than the court of opinion in a legal setting or maybe even in a board of governors setting and deciding whether or not it rises to the level of being able to expel somebody from your league and whether you can then legally defend it once the legal challenges come from that person. And I get that. And I understand, intellectually, I understand why the investigators, the, the, the law firm framed it the way they did and said we did, we could not conclude racial animus or gender animus or you know sexism uh, animus along gender lines. I, I get it in terms, if it's in legalese, but in terms of common sense, mm -hmm. just human reaction, reading on the page, what he did and said along those lines, it's right. really hard to walk away and say, oh, there's no animus there. Because then why are you continually repeating it? And why are you basically, you know, threatening the livelihoods of women working for you by citing their pregnancies and all this? Like at some point, how is animus not not somehow part of the equation? Uh, and, I, and I get it. Legal definitions are different than common sense definitions for you and me, but it's, I just don't see how anybody could walk away and think that, that there's not something else going on there. I agree. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. Uh, it's on, this has been great before I let you go. We are a couple weeks out from training camps. So give me just, I mean, just go one basketball question. Okay, what, no give me just one player or one team that is going to be, uh, the one that intrigues you most. For the oh, coming the season. Nets. Definitely the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Um, I want to see what Kyrie does. I want to see how they all work together. I want to see how Ben Simmons fits into the whole equation. Um, you know, when he, if he's coming down, playing the point, if he's, you know, the different switch of positions that they can, you know, the weapons that they have, um, you know, it, I, I'm really interested in seeing them all put it all together. Um, they have a tremendous amount of talent. Um, and I, I just want to see it all put together. That's it. It, it seems almost like if they would have broken up everything and traded KD and Kyrie would have left, it would almost been like, um, you know, like NBA fans would have been cheated because we wouldn't get a chance to see them all together, you know what I mean, for a full season. So that that's who I'm really uh, going to be paying attention to and watching a lot this season. Yeah, for sure. And of course, that's my backyard. Uh, I will surely be at Media Day in a couple of weeks to see what they all have to say the first time that they're actually um, standing in front of microphones or sitting in front of microphones and have to talk about this very, very strange offseason. And they're all still together, at least for now. And yeah, I'm with you. Um, 
It's it's they are the classic on paper team, right? Like everything looks good. It looks like the, you know this talent alone, they should uh, they should be really potent. They should be able to make a run to the finals. But there's so much other just weird shit that's happened that you just right. don't know that's how true. to gauge it. Uh, Itad, this has been great, man. Um, glad we finally got you on the crossover. Thank you so much uh, for the time. Appreciate it. We'll do it again. Sounds good. Sounds good. It was a great conversation. Definitely appreciate it. Appreciate you. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to Atan Thomas. Thanks to our producer, Shelby Royston. Thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. Hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.